Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Rugby Pass podcast, rugbypass.com for all your rugby viewing pleasure throughout Asia. Today on the Rugby Pass, uh, Scotty Stevenson joined by former All Black Ian Jones, 79 test matches to his name on the eve of South Africa taking on the All Blacks at Kings Park in Durban. And it was the scene, Ian Jones, before we get into the week's events of... Well, the start of what was arguably in your career one of your great achievements, winning a Test Series in South Africa in that first Test in 1996 at Durban. Yeah, afternoon, Scotty. Afternoon, everyone. Yeah, look, we had a four-test series effectively against South Africa in 1996. We played them in Cape Town the week before the Durban encounter. You're talking about to square off the tri-series. That was a brutal encounter, <laughs> which we won and won the tri-series and then went into that Durban test match. And the whole focus of the week was to win that game give ourselves the opportunity to win in Pretoria. If we did that too, zip, we wouldn't have to go to Alice Park. And, you know, Alice Park, well, even today, is just a, it's their ground. It's, you know, I'm a bit surprised they're not actually playing the All Blacks there. They have to share it around. I understand that. But um, I thought the, all, the, all, the Springboks would always play the All Blacks, either in Pretoria or in Alice Park. We didn't have to do that because we won this brutal encounter down in sea level and uh, yeah it's, it's an amazing amazing venue. I had the first opportunity in 92 when the All Blacks toured there for the first time. Our first game was in, actually against Natal at that ground. Look it's changed significantly over the years but what hasn't changed is the atmosphere and the All Blacks will experience that uh, tomorrow. Explain to us what it's like to run out in a ground like that because like most South African grounds, the fans seem very close and those stands are very steep at Kings Park. When you ran out there after the Cape Town experience, as you mentioned, which wrapped up the inaugural Tri-Series tournament, and then you switched focus to a test series, a three-match series. When you ran out onto that park as an all-black in all-black colours against the Springboks, what was the atmosphere like? What was the environment like? Intense, an absolute word, intense, because you know the physicality that's going to come at you on the field, and that physicality's been talked about all week, and the local press and the local fans who come to your trainings, and they're so knowledgeable, not just in Durban, but the whole of South Africa, they know and understand, certainly did back in the day, how the Springboks need to play and should play. And so you're left in no, under no illusions what you're about to face. Um, and that is a good and bad thing. A, you know what's coming at you. B, you also know what's coming at you. And that's, that's <laughs> tough as well. Think about running out into any stadium in, in South Africa. Architects over there love concrete. And uh, so every, every ground you play at this concrete jungle. And with a concrete jungle, it just brings those steep, steep stands, you know, over the years, they're often open stands down in Durban. But just, I think the concrete somehow just brings that noise in and keeps it in the ground. And so, you know, you've got to clear all that from the mind because clearly you're a little bit worried about it and clearly you're very anxious about what you're about to encounter, but you also need to be very clear in what, what you need to do. So, hey, it's a hell of a challenge, Scotty. It's, it's what 
we train and live and in, in, in why you want to become an All Black to have that those challenges. You know, funny enough, in '96, some of that team were quite young, and their biggest challenge and their biggest memory was always facing the Wallabies. Mm. And there was a generation of us, including the coach um, and the skip and a few of the older guys who grew up understanding what those All Black um, South African Test matches are all about. So there's quite a mixed bunch actually within the All Blacks in 96. Listen, everyone of those All Blacks have now come to appreciate what a great rivalry it is. 96 went on then to Pretoria in that famous victory, that first Test Series win. And uh, the, the one image that always stuck out for me watching that game was Sean Fitzpatrick, your captain, at the end of the match, thumping his fist on the ground. Were you aware, and, and I know you're a great student of the game and a great admirer of the All Blacks' legacy and your part in it, were you aware going into that match about what was at stake? Yeah, absolutely. Very aware aware from my own understanding and own history of, of what was about and what great opportunity that we had. Um, maybe not an opportunity that was afforded other touring teams who were four-tier series or you know other circumstances. Um, yeah, and ju just made aware by the coach, John Hart, who was also a great student of the game and knew that the all, this All Black team, and he'd expanded this All Black team to give himself and ourselves the best opportunity to ever uh, win over there. So there was a lot of things in our favour as well. Um, and we're up against a very, very committed, very, very physical Springbok side. And I think at the end, when Sean was lying on the ground, it was... It was more. It was relief that we'd won this test match because the test, Scotty, as you know and you've watched a lot of them, isn't just about the 80 minutes that we see on the Saturday. That's just such a small part of the test. The test is the build-up, how you handle the mental strain during the week, how you handle sort of the media intensity and scrutiny during the week, and how you handle the physicality and and the ebbs and flows of a test match. And at the end of it. Shawnee was just physically and mentally exhausted. We were all out on our feet. In fact, we were out on our feet after five or six minutes. <laughs> so they'd scored the opening try, that bottom uh, left-hand corner. And uh, most of us were thinking right then, geez, we cannot handle another 70 minutes of this. Mm. Um, in the last three to four, we were defending that whole time, flying wedges and all. We did. Um, and... You know, there was, wasn't even much celebration. I was asked this question of the week about the celebration of Sheds. It wasn't any. We were just so physically and mentally exhausted. It was, you know, you were just sitting there at Shed going, phew, well, God, thank Christ that's over, sort of thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a, a great highlight. Like, every every time I had a chance to win that jersey, it's 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 up there. But that one will have to be, be pretty special. 20 years now since that time. That's flown by, that 20 years. I can imagine it feels like yesterday for you at times. And now, 20 years later, here are the All Blacks again, again on the cusp of history, trying to keep this win streak alive. 16 straight tests now, going for 17, and to equal the record that they share with South Africa. And it's been a tumultuous week for the All Blacks. Uh, and let's touch on a few of those things, because I mentioned before... That, that you're a fine believer in the legacy of the All Blacks and what that's meant to you personally and how that's defined your life. This week, Aaron Smith has made, uh, by his own admission, a huge mistake. Does his actions tarnish the All Black brand or diminish what he has achieved in that All Black jersey? The actions this week, if you've been living under a rock, Aaron Smith, uh, caught by a member of the public uh, engaging in an act with a, with a female in a toilet at an airport. It seems rather seedy, but to you, does it seem disappointing as a former All Black as someone who's worn the jersey? 
No, it's a mistake. I don't see it by disappointing. I don't see it affecting the All Black brand greatly. I see it affecting Aaron Smith's brand mm. a little bit more than the power of the All Black brand. Uh, in terms of what's going to happen in preparation for this week, the pressure that he's put on his teammates over there, I actually don't see that being a problem. Look, the, the All Blacks themselves have got, with the greatest respect to Aaron Smith, his partner, and all their families, they've got a real big job and a real big concerns themselves that they have to focus fully on. And I think history has told, shown us over the years, if you've dropped the ball in terms of your own personal preparations heading into a test match of this magnitude, you're going to lose. Um, the All Black players themselves with the experience understand that. And listen, they... They, they have got such a big job ahead of them, enough to worry about without their great mate Aaron Smith and, and, and what he's done sort of off the field. Um, the All Black uh, brand and the All Black family are very strong and we're very supportive of both Aaron, his partner's family and, and everyone else concerned with it. And we're a forgiving lot, uh, both in New Zealand and around the world. Aaron Smith has fronted up. He, he's come front, front foot and said, I've made this mistake. To most people, Scotty, I think that's enough for all of us. But the All Blacks won't be dwelling on it, mate. When they're running out there mm -hmm. and the preparation for what they've had to do, they've had to be fully focused on job at hand. They crushed the Springboks in Christchurch. And, I mean, mm -hmm. it was a miserable loss for that Springbok team. Alistair Kutsia now has reverted to type. He's taken Mornay Stain back in as a starting first 5 eighth. We saw uh, in their last test victory that they've gone back to that kick-and-stick game that Mornay plays so well. But he's not at his home deck at Loftus Firstfeld. He is at sea level. And the All Blacks have shown throughout this rugby championship and over the last couple of seasons that they can return kicks. Even the good kicks can sometimes lead to All Black points. Mornay Stain, is he the key and central figure for South Africa in this Test match? Well, he's one of, one of the cog. I mean, the guys up front, you know... He Estabeth and those sorts of guys need to physically actually start to intimidate the All Blacks. I and mean, that's easier said than done, but they actually have to sort of front foot up there and do whatever they need to do to disrupt the All Blacks. I mean, you see this test match being a very stop-start affair. The, All, the South Africans trying to control the speed of it where they can, slow ball down or slow the, the, the flow of play where they can. Look, I, I have to say, and I know in this modern world where the rules uh, dictate movement and, and you know a need and a thirst for entertainment when test matches are on. I personally have to say I like the way the South Africans are going about things. I think it suits their psyche. I think it suits what's um, happened in the past in that green jersey. I think they understand that game really well. I know their spectators love the way they play that game and they'll get them into into it. Look, we all like open of interest play but you know open of interest play going backwards and just passing 50-50 yeah. the South African fans do not mm. uh, respect so look I like that psyche uh, I like their mentality not everyone can be the All Blacks and play like New Zealanders you've got to play like who you are so I do I do like that I mean they got some of the best kick chasers in, in the world Brian Habana hopefully he plays and guys that will just run and put pressure on a good or bad kick mm. Um, and it may be their day. It, it really may be their day, and I hope it is. Um, but this is a damn good All Black side too, Scotty, who um, they're chasing greatness. They really are. And, and when you string together so many test wins, you need something else. It's not just another test match. I mean, another test match in All Black jersey, that is big motivation. But something else. Mm. 
um, because you don't get bored with winning, but sometimes you can get complacent with winning, and sometimes it comes too easy, the wins, and you have to work damn hard in a test match environment to get that win. I think something like this will be very special for the All Blacks to do that, and once more they set themselves up with the opportunity to create history, which this team wants to do, publicly said that, and that's not always been the New Zealand way um, to create history in Eden Park in a couple of weeks' time. We're speaking with Ian Jones on the Rugby Pass podcast. Today's the 7th of October and we change now to the Northern Hemisphere where Australia will face Argentina at Twickenham. <coughs> An amazing thing for me for Argentina to give up their home advantage and take it to Twickenham. Uh, most people think this is all about dollars and cents. Is there more to this for Argentina though to take a match to Twickenham which we understand will boast a crowd of around 50, maybe more thousand people? I, I assume there is. Look, I don't know the ins and outs of why they've gone up there, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, Scotty, but this is a team that probably feels comfortable playing over in Europe. We've seen the successes they've had in past World Cups up in Europe and past tours up in Europe. So, you know, to go to a neutral venue, which it is for both sides, um, they clearly feel pretty comfortable there. And it's probably a good development phase, I guess, for um, Argentinian football uh, to be, be able to play over there. Um, it'll be a fascinating test match. It really will. I mean, somehow they've got to um, harness that sort of Latin temperament in, yeah. in, in Twickenham, how they do that. They'll have their own special ways to do that. I really hope they do. And they they a, a team trying to balance out the, the brutality of their game where they were so good in Hamilton where there was opportunities behind the ruck for the pick-and-go game and their wingers being really busy attacking close to the ruck and getting over the, the game line against the All Blacks where that was shut out uh, the test a couple of weeks later against the Aussies where they have the opportunity, I think, to do that. Mm. I'd like to see them you know, first work really hard up front and then get the rewards if they can go wide after that. Australian rugby still continues to struggle uh, under Michael Checker. And I know he's got his injury concerns. I know he's got some players he can't select due to that. But do you see any improvement at all in what he's trying to do with this team? He tried the bully route against the All Blacks. That backfired on him. He's tried to look for some more expensive play out of them. That didn't work against South Africa. I mean, are his options now limited in terms of creating a plan that works? Well, I mean, without once more being right close to the Wallaby camp, I just see them in this siege mentality at the moment that they're actually not... Because they're getting barbs from everywhere, they've actually forgotten why they're actually out there playing the game. Mm. And, and, you know, a guy like Izzy Falau, for instance, he's got to smile. You've got to realise why he is the best guy out there and only do what he does well. And if each and every player does their job with a smile on their face and and playing the game why they why they love playing the game, I reckon it will come right mm. for the Wallabies. But they've got to get over that. And Czech has got to be the guy who leads that. Mm. He's got to be the guy that doesn't stand up in front of the media or stand up in front of the team and look dour and, and, and think the, the weight of the world is on his shoulders and it's a tough gig coaching the Wallabies. It's not a tough gig coaching the Wallabies. It must be a wonderful... Uh, job to be able to coach a team that can be so expensive, can be so much fun. I mean, we love the, the, the Aussie Larrikin spirit. If they play with that once more again, you know, some of the great teams over the years in, in the Wallaby Rugby have just been a, a hoot on and off the field. Mm. I don't see this team right now being a hoot on and off the field. And I think that's where we've got to get back to. That's nothing to do with tactics. That's nothing to do with the skill of these players. It's a lot to do with what headspace they're at. They get into that headspace about enjoying each other's company, enjoying the game, and it's a friggin' wonderful game. They'll be very, very good because of it.
Finally on the Rugby Pass podcast today, Jonesy, we want to take you back to England. You've had experience in English club rugby, but that landscape has changed somewhat since your days uh, up at the Cherry and Whites and uh, your experiences in the north. Eddie Jones has picked his first squad ahead of the November internationals and he's run headlong into his first real clash mm-hmm. with the England clubs. They've come out today and said they don't think that the England team should be full-on training uh, during a week in which the Premiership is continuing. Eddie Jones has got to get a squad together for November and, importantly, keep the momentum that he's building with this team. Are we going to see a genuine, all-guns-blazing showdown between Eddie Jones and the Premiership clubs? I suspect you might. I mean, they are all, all powerful. They're owned by you know the individual owners who, who have a lot of say and sway, and I mean, they pay the individual player gets the most amount of money during his 12-month contract from his club, not from the England Rugby Union. While well, playing for the England Rugby Union is a pretty special counter as well. Um, so, yeah, you can see something happening. And Eddie's got to understand, I guess, the system. He's trying to come in and, and do what he thinks is best for the team. And that's you know, absolutely within his right. And can he have too hard a training session? I mean, the guys have to train as they prepare to play the game you can't go about anything in this game half-hearted unfortunately he's had these two terrible injuries was a broken jaw and a broken leg Mm. or something that's terrible uh to have but gee that could happen on on any occasion absolutely and unfortunately on this occasion it happened in um, an england training run is that a player welfare issue well, I'm not sure really is. It's just something that they're going to have to, to, to deal with and sort out. And, yeah, there will be a clash of... There's a clash of ideas for a start, isn't there? And and that's something they need to sort out because they need to sort it out very quickly because those, uh, those you know, autumn internationals aren't too far away. Finally, mate, today, uh, one more thing. Dan Carter, Joe Rokothoko, uh, both fingered in a French newspaper article in L'Equipe uh, saying they have failed a test for... Uh, basically corticosteroids, which are not anabolic steroids, uh, most likely a cortisone injection. Their agent, Simon Porter, has come out and said, look, they have special therapeutic use exemptions for these, although those are still to materialise. Is this risky business at the moment? If the doctor of their club has not filed the paperwork, can we see Rokosoko and Dan Carter and Juan Imhoff as well in some serious hot water? Well, I, yeah, I look at the legal size, but let's hope not. I mean, the game wasn't played in France, and maybe because it was played in Spain, they may have different rules that, that, that don't cross over the border. I don't know that. Knowing about French medicine, I know French medicine is very different than yeah. European medicine and, and, and the way they go about things. I mean, you just look at once more at the timeline, though I know both Joe and, and, and Dan at the end of a long year were getting injured towards the end of the playoff and you assume when they came back they had some form of treatment. Mm. Um, maybe that treatment was a cortisone cream or a, an injection, I don't know. What I do know is that the integrity of Dan Carter and Joe Rockefeller should never be put into question. Um, they would never do anything in my uh, you know, knowledge of, of the two gentlemen that would be outside what was deemed um, reasonable leading into a, to a game. And, mm. you know, hopefully the paperwork will get sorted out. But, you know, when the translation barrier comes into anything, Scotty, you know, things get lost in the, in the mist. Um, and let's hope it gets sorted out. Absolutely right. Ian Jones, our special guest today on the Rugby Pass podcast. That's it for today. We'll join you next week, of course. And uh, enjoy your footy over the weekend. Rugbypass.com for all your viewing pleasure.